All right. This is a solo episode edition of Inappropriate Earl. No guest, no sidekick, just the daddy man in his house, in his underwear, in his Stephen Piercy solo band shirt. And thought I would just talk for a few minutes because uh, we're still in uh, quarantine, uh, stay at home in Los Angeles, although uh, the restrictions are being uh, lifted a little bit. You know, everyone is still uh, pretty much locked down and, uh, you know, people are getting anxious. You could tell. Last couple times I've been to uh, Sprouts, which is the supermarket I go to. Uh, people, you can tell, have been on edge, been a little more aggressive. Uh, people fighting over cucumbers and carrots and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm on edge. You know, thank God I bought an elliptical to work out on. Last night, I got on the elliptical at like 2.30 in the morning. And then I took Lois for like an hour walk. Because I'm getting antsy, man. I want to do stand-up. I tried doing uh, a few Zoom comedy shows. And, uh, you know, they just don't work. You know, I think Tim Dillon, a very funny comic and podcaster, said it the best. Something to the effect of, Stand-up is meant to do in front of a live audience. If you uh, just want to talk to yourself, start a podcast. Usually you have a guest, but, uh, you know, it's hard, frankly, to have people want to come over. You know, the last Inappropriate Earl guest was uh, Kate Kennedy, a funny comic and, and porn star. And I'm always kind of fascinated by the world of porn because it's something I know. And obviously at the age of 51, I I don't think I'd uh, be picking the right time to, you know, (laughs) break into the business. But uh, I'm fascinated by porn because I really don't watch it. It's just not attractive to me in any capacity. One, to see a guy who has a bigger dick than I do. And I got a big hog, so it's pretty discouraging to see like a Lexington Steel or, you know, Ron Jeremy back in the day. And by back in the day, I mean yesterday. What the fuck? Uh, Or a Cal Jammer or a TT Boy or Tom Byron. It's weird how I can't really name very many girls outside of Jenna Jameson uh, or Seika. And I don't mean the video game system. Although at this point, you could probably use her private parts as a controller (laughs) Uh, that I can't name very many female uh, porn people. I mean, really, Kate's the only one I could name of the current people. And Riley Reed, I guess. And I only know that because Chandler mentions her every so often. Uh, But, you know, I'm getting a lot of questions on uh, what I think is going to happen in the world of stand-up once the uh, quarantine and stay-at-home orders are lifted. And uh, to be honest with you, I have no idea. You know, I'm due to play in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada at the uh, comic strip 
and uh, July 16th through the 19th. And to be honest with you, uh, I don't know if those gigs are still happening. I mean, they're on the schedule. But, uh, you know, right about now is when I would buy the plane tickets, you know, just to save a few bucks. But I'm going to hold off. Uh, but I find it funny, though, uh, Rick and Tammy Bronson, two of the best, if not the best, along with the Shore family, uh, club owners in the business. Uh, you know, they have clubs in uh, Minnesota, Arizona, Vancouver now, Edmonton. Uh, that Edmonton and Arizona are two, well, Edmonton's not a state, but that's a province, but are two of the cities that are, I think, starting to open up. Uh, I believe House of Comedy in Arizona, Scottsdale to be specific, is uh, pretty much open, but uh, I think they're capping the shows at a certain uh, number. And, uh, you know, people are asking me about the comedy store and, uh, even though I'm a, a pretty uh, respected member of the comedy community up there, I don't know what's going on there. You know, it, it's I have opinions, and they're pretty uh, baseless just because uh, I haven't spoken to anyone associated from the comedy store since the last, uh, in terms of management, since my last show there, which was, uh, I think, May 3rd, which was one of my funner shows because I got to perform in front of several members of the Ontario Reign, which is the LA Kings uh, number one farm team. It's like basically triple A hockey. And uh, so I was really uh, excited because I'm fans of every guy who was there that night. You know, Sean Dursey, he's a top prospect. Matt Luff, top prospect. Paul Adu, uh one of the top uh, defensive uh, prospects in the organization. And uh, the great legendary tough guy boko imama uh so i got to meet him which was fun and uh you know i i haven't been at the store since and uh you know it, it's just weird because you know I'll, I'll guess that if if social distancing uh, guidelines are put into place you know I'll, i would guess that would leave out belly room shows just because it's I think the belly room may seat between 75 and 100 people, but, you know, with six feet social distancing, like, you you probably could only put 20 people in there. And how's a waitress uh, go up there, you know, like, and not be, you know, six feet from taking a drink order or food? Um you know, so it'd be interesting to see what happens to Roast Battle. I mean, of course, you could just move Roast Battle into another room. But even in the OR, I don't know how you would make a show work. You know, I think the OR, which is the original room, has a capacity, I want to say, of 250, which sounds like a lot. But, you know, when you space people out six feet and, you know, you have to, I'm sure some of the aisles would have to be made larger, which would take away seating. You know, how many people could you put in there? Uh, so, you know, the main room, I guess, is the the most viable option, you know, because then you, you know, you could maybe fit like 75 people in there if you, if you space them out six feet apart. But even that got me to thinking, like, um, 
you know, if you take a date to the comedy store, can you even sit with your date? <laughs> you know, you'd have to be six feet apart. I mean, could you sit at the same table as your date? Um, which is completely bizarre to me, but I think we're living in bizarre times, to be honest with you. I mean, this is an event that probably no one would ever anticipate that there would be some open-air market that sells livestock in China and one person gets infected, if you believe that, and then it's like that shampoo commercial where you tell two friends, they tell two friends, and then it just multiplies and multiplies. I mean, I can't believe there's a worldwide pandemic and it started with one person uh, eating bat soup. Or I heard another story that it wasn't that and that a female uh, employee of the market sat on a dirty toilet seat and, uh, you know, got on a plane the next day and and here we are almost three months later and, uh, you know, a relative lockdown. And I'm not a conspiracy guy. Like, I don't think this was some biological weapons dry run to see what could happen, but... You know, I don't watch the news anymore. You know, it's embarrassing no matter what side of the political argument you're on. I think that, you know, you turn on Fox News and just Hannity's like a pro wrestling uh, commentator at this point, and, and Rachel Maddow's just as bad. And then you've got Don Lemon and CNN, and, you know, I, I don't know what's going on in that network, you know. They could, CNN's the only network that could probably show live beheadings and the ratings would go down, <laughs> you know. Uh, and then there's another, I think uh, someone turned me on to a show. It's basically Fox News Junior, News Max. And, uh, you know, so I don't, you know, I used to watch that stuff just for jokes, but it's just, it's unwatchable. No matter who you're voting for, it, it's awful. Uh, so, I've watched a lot of shows on uh, Netflix with Chandler and, you know, we basically watched every show we want to watch. I mean, we're uh, struggling to get through Money Heist on Netflix just because it's, Jesus Christ, it's a long fucking show. I, I mean, there's like, I, I think they released all four seasons at the same time. So like it, the show's been going on forever and we're we're not even done with season two yet, but I do like it. Um and I, I watched the I watched literally the whole season of Bosch in one setting, because uh, I love Bosch. I love Titus Welliver, you know. And it's not like the most. It's based on a series of books about a detective. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the Shield, you know. But I love the Shield. Uh, you know, I love those dirty cop, uh, you know, type shows. Uh, and what else have we watched? We watch all three seasons of Ozark in like a week and a half. Um, it'll kind of be interesting what happens with Ozark in season four. I mean, I'll assume they're bringing it back just because it was such a, uh, ratings bonanza, but like there's only so many bad guys and bad situations that this couple can get themselves into. And, uh, you know, you know, I, I find most cop or like catch them type, shows you know like um they kind of fade after season three just because the, you know there's only so many bad guys you can have you know like 24 
faded in season four, actually, because the bad guy in season four was so good that anyone after him just wasn't going to be good. Um, and, uh, you know, Miami Vice, you know, season about three quarters of the way into season three, it was like, okay, how many uh, Cuban drug lords or Colombian drug lords can Crockett and Tubbs go up against? Uh, and it's like most crime shows, you know, and uh, it's almost like Bosch, you know, like how many ways can this guy get fucked over? You know, there's six seasons into that, and it's still a pretty fresh show. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've, I've watched probably more TV than I usually do just because I can't go to the gym. Uh, you know, uh, Rumble's shut down. That's my boxing gym. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I, I, I personally can't see that gym reopening because so many people sweat in that. Even if you do the social distancing, you know, you, a lot of people, when they're sweating that much and you really sweat like you're in a summit, it's a great workout. But, you know, I know I can't count how many times I would wipe my face with my glove hit the bag, which someone else was just two minutes ago literally sweating on, and then you go to the floor side where you're um, doing hand weights and, and, and dumbbells, and, and, and you know someone was just using those, and I, I just don't know how you can sanitize it properly. Really, any boxing gym, if you think about it, is pretty filthy. Like, you know, even if you go to wildcard gym, which is where, like, Freddie Roach and, and – trains and actors like pete berg go there uh you know a boxing ring is fucking disgusting like you know people are bleeding in there they're sweating sweats flying around you've you've got bags outside the the main ring and um you know i, I don't know how you sanitize gyms like that uh you know equinox i could see is probably in the best position to remain open because they're their cleaning is legendary uh, like, and that's part of the reason why I still go there is because it's so clean. You could, you could drop your sandwich on the floor and pick it up and eat it and you would not catch anything. Uh, and you know, hot yoga, you know, that in theory, you think that'd be a great gym to go to because the, the virus can't survive in extreme heat and, you know, hot yoga. I think that the least temperature is 105 degrees and then it goes i think up to 125 for the like the really hardcore people i might be wrong on that but like it's not it's not going to survive in that condition but you know you also you know you're sweating so much and and you know the classes it's such a popular workout that you know the classes are basically around the clock on the hour do you really want to put your yoga mat down where someone was just sweating and even though the you know, the virus is probably dead almost as soon as the sweat hits the floor, you know, it's still like concerning. And, you know, the whole point of yoga is to be like Zen and mellow and, you know, relax. And, you know, so I don't know if hot yoga studios, uh, can survive. It's going to be really interesting, you know, to see what businesses in, in the health and fitness, uh, field survive. I think some will thrive and then others, just, uh, you know, like the 24-hour fitness I go to in West Hollywood. Uh, it's fucking disgusting in there. Like, it's dirty. It's, there's puddles of water everywhere. And the, I mean, in the locker room at the 24-hour fitness where I used to go to, I actually 
just gave up my membership right before the uh, pandemic. Uh, you know, the, the locker room looked like, uh, you know, a pond. <laughs> you know, there's towels everywhere. There's, you know, like you could play tic-tac-toe on the, the puddles of water and, and don't get me started on the bathroom area. It looks like a towel truck and a toilet paper uh, truck uh, got into an accident. Um, so, and you know, MMA gyms, uh, uh, my friend, uh, John Ray is chiming in right now on Instagram live about, you know, doing jujitsu, but like, you know, if you go to like, say that the UFC gym out here, uh, you know, do you really want to like, you know, roll around on the floor with, with guys or girls sweating profusely and you know, you're rubbing up against them. You're rubbing up against the mat. I mean, you could get staph infection pretty easily uh, in a completely sterile environment, let alone, you know, coronavirus. So, uh, you know, I still think, you know, part of the problem is that, you know, it's, there's still a lot of questions and there's a lot of, uh, you know, uneducated opinions about the virus still. I mean, two months in, we still don't know really what causes it, uh, you know, who can get it. You know, very much reminds me of like when AIDS first came out, and I'm actually trying to be serious for once. This isn't a setup for a joke. Um, you know, when AIDS first came out, it was known as a, a gay disease, gay men specifically. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, one bisexual man slept with a gay man who was infected. So the bisexual guy gets it. He then sleeps with a straight heterosexual woman. She gets it. She sleeps with a straight man. He gets it. And then people were like, well, who doesn't get it now? Everyone gets it. And, you know, it's, it's kind of the same with, you know, this where... You know, people, you know, when Corona first came out, it was like, well, it's an older person's disease. Like if you're over 50, from 50 to 65, you're you're really in the danger zone. And, and then I think there was that one, tragically, I think it was either a six-day or six-week-old baby got it and died. And it's like, oh, babies can get it now. And then, uh, you know, millennials and Gen Zers can get it now. And, uh, you know, it was just like, you know, you're back to almost that point where AIDS was, um, you know, who can get it, who doesn't get it? Is it a straight disease? Is it a gay disease? And, you know, and it's kind of similar to 9-11, you know, where, like, if you were to go up to any military commander in, uh, in this country on, say, September 10th, 2001, and go, hey, do you think Al-Qaeda or any terrorist organization tomorrow is going to hijack four or five planes. Now, don't forget, there was a fifth hijacker who was going to pilot the fifth plane, uh, Musasi, or I think it was Musasi, uh, and not the uh, Bellator fighter, Gegard Musasi. Uh, you know, do you think they're going to be able to hijack planes and then fly them into targets? Uh you know, you'd be laughed out of that guy's office. Like, what are you, crazy? This is the United States. They're not going to attack us on our own soil. 
and then you know they hit four of their five targets uh, basically and uh you know I, I think this pandemic is like kind of on that scale of is this really happening like is the whole united states and and really the whole world uh is it is it really in a shutdown like is there really a a run on toilet paper, which I've never understood why there was such a mad rush to buy toilet paper. Because if there's a food shortage, the last thing you're doing is shitting too much. Uh, so I never, like, I remember, like, two weeks into the pandemic, me and Chandler were in Gelson's uh, in West Hollywood. And that the guy's like, hey, we just got toilet paper in. And you would have thought we were sold the winning Powerball ticket it was like oh my god and there was like no one in the store so we got the first pick it was like this is amazing so uh and you know it's how sports will be affected uh is going to be uh interesting to uh you know see how the different sports leagues deal with it you know like football i don't think will be that affected because they make their money uh primarily through the TV deal, which is a, a, an ungodly amount of money. It's like literally six or seven billion dollars. Whereas hockey is the complete opposite. They have a very bad TV deal just because let's be honest, hockey's not a TV sport. Unless you're like a super fan, it, it's kind of hard to follow. And trust me, the advertisers know it. Um, the networks know it. I, I think a few years ago, ESPN, uh, was offered by the NHL something to the effect, and, and maybe not in these words, but, hey, you don't have to pay us. We just want the games on TV. We'll pay you, basically. And the ESPN was like, uh, no, we'd rather have the world cornholing championships on. I didn't even know what cornholing was till it was on ESPN, not ESPN2 or ESPN+. Plus. It was on the main fucking network, uh, and hockey can't get on. I mean, I remember when hockey was on the uh, Outdoor Life Network. Uh, what the mess? It's an indoor sport. Uh, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see how hockey's affected, you know, because it's, um, you know, it's it's a live gate uh, medium. And, you know, like I think baseball has a very good TV deal, so I don't know if they'll be affected that much. Uh and, you know, it's going to be real interesting. Uh, you know, I, I watched the first two UFC cards that had no audience. And uh, to be honest with you, I didn't mind it. I, I, I almost kind of liked it. Because you could hear the cornermen talking to their fighters. And, and the fighters were, like, hearing all the instructions. So the, the fights were actually technically the best they've ever been. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, you know, it was, there was so few noise, uh, or, or such a little noise that the fighters would hear Daniel Cormier's commentary and start doing what he was saying. Like there was one, um, uh, I forget the fight, but the fighter heard Daniel Cormier say, so-and-so looks bigger. And the guy actually, like a second after he heard that, flexed for the cameras. Now he almost got his ass kicked after he did that. But, you know, it, it, I didn't mind the no crowd. Of course, you know, then the Tony Ferguson fight, which was like a wild back and forth brawl with him and Gaethje. I probably would have liked to hear the crowd going nuts because that, that was an amazing fight. 
but uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see, like you know, if if in September the NFL decides to do, you know, no crowd, which you know, if they do the social distancing thing and and you know, say the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing. You know, uh, I don't know, the Baltimore Ravens, which is a very, it's probably the best rivalry game in, in the NFL at the moment. Uh, you know, if you're at Heinz Field and you have like, instead of 70,000 people, you've got 23,000 people spaced out. I, I just don't see that working. But I, I mean, I guess 23,000 is better than nothing. But even on the sidelines, how would, if you social distance on the sidelines, you're going to have, you know, what is it, 53 NFL players standing six feet apart? Well, I guess you take the 11 guys on the field. So, you know, you're going to have 42 players on the sidelines standing six feet apart. The coaches can't stand next to each other. It's going to be interesting to see stuff like that. Or in the NHL, like, even if you have no um, – uh, or if you have social distancing in the NHL with no crowd, how are you going to have 20 NHL players sitting next to each other on a bench? You know, it's going to be like almost impossible. Uh, even if you, you know, and I, I'm assuming they'll all be tested and, and the trainers and the coaches will all be tested, but like, you know, they're sweating bullets. They're spitting constantly. They're drinking out of the same water bottles and Gatorade stuff. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be, you know, very interesting. And same thing in basketball, you know, how are you going to have 12 players plus, you know, four or five coaches and a ball boy and a trainer and, and a team doctor sitting on the same bench? I mean, like, it's, it's not going to be practical. So, uh, but I think we'll get through this, you know, it, it's just, you know, we got through the Spanish flu and, you know, we got through, you know, SARS. I remember, you know, in the early nineties, SARS was like a big thing and, you know, it's just a, it's a once-in-a-lifetime ordeal that, uh, you know, hopefully we never see again. And, you know, they'll be talking about this uh, in 200 years. And, uh, you know, it's just a new uh, new era. Tell you what, though, I'm, I'm having uh, my Instagram uh, is uh, up while I'm doing this, and the great Jeff Scott. Just chimed in. Jeff Scott, the legendary piano player at the Comedy Store, 27 years, brought up every famous comic on earth and people like me. And uh, that's one of the things I really miss about this, not seeing Jeff do his thing for two months. You know, I love Jeff and uh, I love seeing uh, my comedy uh, friends almost every night. But, uh, you know, in some ways, I think I'm mentally healthier you know, not seeing all the negative people that I don't like at the comedy store and just in comedy in general, you know, hearing to hear all this bullshit about, oh, I'm doing so well, Earl, I got this going on, I got that going on. And I'm like, dude, and sometimes it's a girl, you're going on 40 minutes after I'm going on and I'm going on late. So uh, you're not doing that well, Bubba. And uh, I don't miss being around people like that. But I miss being around, like, you know, the comedy store waitresses and and the bartenders. And like I said, Jeff Scott, legendary. Uh, you know, if you go to the comedy store, you'll hear Jeff playing the piano, hopefully sooner than later. And, uh, 
But, you know, I mean, I love stand-up comedy. I mean, I, I get a sexual high still from doing it when it goes well. And it's funny, I, I relate sex to it because when I bomb, and, you know, I don't bomb that often anymore, but it happens. Uh, it feels like coming early. It's just like, oh, man, I still got to do this. Uh, it's the it's the greatest gig on earth. But, you know, I, I think I'm, and strangely, I'm more mentally uh, healthier not being around some of the negative people I'm around up there. Uh, you know, and then, you know, I've had some fucking people you know, and obviously everyone's in a different financial situation in comedy, but I've had, you know, like comics reaching out to me that I haven't heard from in years. You know, like I had one comic who I literally have not talked to in five years and I didn't talk to him five years ago, but you know, I, I would may, maybe say hello to him in passing, but you know, this comic's very phony, very fake. And he, he calls me up like, I don't know, about three weeks into this, going, hey, Earl, just checking in on you. It's like, dude, you don't care how I am. Just tell me what you want. I'm assuming it's money, but just tell me what you want. Everyone thinks I'm rich. You know, Russell Peters is rich. When you have a fucking uh, Rolls-Royce uh, suicide door SUV that costs 500 grand, that's what my condo costs. I mean, don't get me wrong. I got a few bucks in the bank, but my fuck you money's in the stock market. So, like, you know, I spent a couple sleepless nights when this first started. Trust me on that one. But uh, hopefully my hockey jersey collection will be sold sooner than later. And, uh, you know, I'll have a little more play money. But I'm going to put that money into the inappropriate Earl podcast studio upstairs in my second bedroom to take this podcast to the next level. But, uh uh-oh. I think there's a, a jet flying over. Sorry about that. My window's open. It's very unprofessional. Like I said, this ain't the Joe Rogan podcast, and I love Joe, but I'm a one-man operation. So right now, people are checking their mail. So if you hear like a bizarre clicking, that's someone opening up their mailbox. And uh, I don't know. I think they're filming Top Gun 2 over my house right now. Sorry about that. And... Uh, you know, I'm going to stop the Instagram Live video, so you got to listen to some of this on Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys on Instagram Live. Love you, Jeff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's such an amazing um, time. that to go, I mean, you know, I haven't gone without doing a stand-up set in... In 20 years of doing comedy, I've never, never gone more than two days without going up. And now I'm clocking in at over two months. So uh, if those Edmonton gigs do happen, it's going to be a lot of improv, let me tell you. Uh, so hopefully uh, I can get up before those dates. If they happen, you know. No one knows, you know. I mean, I, I, that's the thing. We're in such a Wild West situation right now. That truly nobody knows. Like from Joe Rogan to me to an open micer with a Zoom recorder in their basement doing a podcast. Like it's such an unprecedented event that, you know, you just kind of. I think it'll be interesting though. I think that you will see what comics worked and what comics didn't. You know, like I myself 
through uh, Chandler's urging, have done some, uh, let's just say, uh, interesting uh, marketing for the podcast. If you walk down certain streets in uh, Hollywood, Fairfax, Melrose, <clears throat> that's uh, Fairfax and Melrose, you'll see uh, inappropriate old posters and stencils on the ground. Uh, you know, I, I've taken a lot of my marketing from Chandler and her love of SoundCloud rappers who do unconventional marketing methods and it works, you know? So I, I really started to go, okay, what are other comics slash podcasters not doing? And uh, I probably shouldn't even be talking about it, but you know, I've got to figure no one is getting up at two or three in the morning and going to like a gang part of Venice to put up podcast posters which me and Chandler did one night. I mean, we were in the hood. I mean, I mean, like Shoreline Crips hood. And, you know, here you have me and Chandler, two pretty white-looking people, you know, with a adhesive can spray and <laughs> laying out all these posters on the side and spraying them on, you know, certain parts of Venice. And, of course, they don't stay up very long. You know, some rapper will put his over yours. Well, there's oddly like a, a code of ethics uh, amongst the, uh, I don't want to say, I don't, I don't think it's graffiti, but like amongst the, the rappers and, and me, like where you, you know, you don't, you try not to put your poster or, or stencil over someone else's and, uh, you, you know, of course, you know, everyone wants to be in front of the same spots. <laughs> And uh, that's Lois. Hold on. I got to get that. We're going to pause this podcast right now. And we're back. Sorry about that, guys. I was... Uh, Amazon came. You, gotta, you can't stop the Jeff Bezos train from making money. So, uh, once again, that's something you don't get on other podcasts. Me pausing it to uh, get an Amazon package. But here we are. That's the beauty of Inappropriate Earl. From day one, this has been the little podcast that could. You know, I've often said, I think the first 10 episodes of this podcast, I had, the, you know, the wrong cords plugged into the wrong holes. And no, don't get disgusting on me. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we're somehow almost 300 episodes in now. We're survivors. You know, we'll, we'll survive this podcast, you know, and... Uh, you know, I've been going on a lot of other people's podcasts and uh, loving it, really, to be honest with you. I mean, yesterday I was on three different podcasts. Chad Zumach, Sit Down with Chad Zumach, uh, Ian Baggs' uh, podcast uh, that is live on not Zoom, but uh, a streaming-type uh, podcast. And um, finished it with uh, Kate from the... Uh, comedy store uh she has a podcast about the service industry that you guys should all uh, listen to and and she does it with other comedy store waitresses which was awesome to see uh lee and uh, punky johnson my cluster fest comedy comrade and uh bianca it's basically uh, the comedy store waitresses uh, talking about the business not just the comedy store business but like you know they've all had different uh serving jobs and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a good uh, podcast because you get to hear what, you know, waitresses and servers feel about, uh, you know, the business of serving people. 
So I'm always a good tipper. Even if the service is bad, I tip basically minimum 25%. And I eat the food. Uh, and I also did uh, uh, Raymond Baker's uh, podcast, uh, which I hope you guys listen to, TSE. I was episode five. All the links and stuff to all these podcasts are on my Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, you know, it, it just helps to pass the time. And, and, you know, I used to do solo episodes a lot uh, back in the day, frankly, when I couldn't get people to uh, come to my house, you know, because I do a face to face. Although I am looking at the certain new systems and uh, additions to my system I have now where I can do phoners and, uh, you know, uh, YouTube, uh, I'm looking at, uh, streaming on YouTube possibly, uh, you know, maybe going live, taking questions, uh, interactive, making inappropriate or a little more interactive, uh, where it looks like, uh, you know, a little bit more like Bert Kreischer's podcast, Tom Segura's, I, you know, obviously everyone, uh, compares themselves to uh you know rogan so you know i'd like to you know uh take it to the next level in uh 2020 and 2021 um because uh you know especially after the coronavirus and people being scared of like germs and stuff uh it's probably gonna be uh even uh tougher to get guests to come over uh you know, I had uh, a conversation with uh, a very famous guitar player's uh, other half saying, hey, we'd love to come come over when this is all over. So that's pretty exciting. I don't want to say who they are, but, uh, you know, they actually live like two blocks away from me uh, in Beverly Hills. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are asking me my thoughts on... Uh, John Varvatos filing for Chapter Eleven. Uh, you know, uh, you know, he's he's my primary um, clothing uh, person. I pay for my stuff. I don't get any sponsorships, so I'm not like under obligation to say this. But John Varvatos clothes fit me like they're custom made. Um, so I was actually kind of sad that. Uh, you know, he had to file for Chapter 11, but I think he'll be back. I don't know if every store will be back. I don't have any inside info, but uh, I can't imagine his West Hollywood store closing. It does such good business. Um, I know his uh, location in Soho. I think it's where old the old CBGBs used to uh B, uh, is, I hear it's legendary. I mean, everyone I know is like, Earl, if you like Varvatos, you have to go to that location. And, uh, you know, I'm probably not going to be going to New York anytime soon, but when I do go, I'll be playing the stand and, uh, I will check that place out. And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times when someone files for chapter 11, it's, it's a restructuring and it's, you know, a way to uh, not scam your way out of debt, but like reorganize your financial obligations. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm hoping they'll they'll be back. You know, I certainly have enough to last me if it is the end. 
and there's All Saints. You know, All Saints is very good. Uh, and once again, I, I don't get any free stuff from any of these people, but uh, All Saints is very good. They're like my B team, if you will. And, uh, you know, there's other, you know, I, I have some uh, custom clothes made for me, but that's pretty expensive. So, uh, you know, I have a few pairs of uh, custom pants and one custom jacket by Brooke Worrell. Uh, who makes like slashes clothes, Duff's clothes. Um, so, uh, but I have enough clothes, you know. I could go a hundred more lifetimes and not buy one more jacket and I'm good. But you know me, I always got to have the latest. And people ask me sometimes what my uh, style uh, is modeled after. And uh, I try and look like all four members of the Killers in some way. And they all four dress a little differently. And I also like how the bass player, uh, Scott from Weezer, dresses. And uh, you throw in a little Billy Idol with the leather. And uh, it, it's a real hodgepodge of, um, you know, fashion uh, icons. You know, it's leather. It's, it's, I mean, my pants tend to be on the tighter fitting side. So much so that one time I did the splits on stage at the comedy store and I split my favorite pair of John Varvato's pants because uh, they just had zippers and, and stuff in the right area and just I was so bummed out uh, and you know it happens when you're a fashion icon you have to take risk and I do you know I'll, I'll get a thousand dollar leather jacket that I bought say from Varvato's and I'll have a rat patch put on it some people might say that ruins the whole thing, but to me, it, it makes it even better. You know, I like to give a little uh, bit of my own touch on things, even Barbados. So, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, and people are asking me, uh, how come I'm not on other podcast platforms? And it's not that I'm lazy, it's just that, uh, you know, I upload to SoundCloud, which goes right to iTunes. and you know, not to bore you people with uh, too much of the uh, podcast uh, technical jargon, but, you know, literally 85% of all listens for podcasts are through Apple Podcasts. So it's that's where I concentrate most of my uh, efforts. And, uh, you know, I'm working on getting my way back into the charts. Uh, you know, that's been frustrating for basically the last year. I've been uh, shadow banned and taken off the uh, comedy charts. Uh, you know, at one point I was, uh, I think for one Saturday, uh, I was number one in app, iTunes comedy at the time. And uh, I was number one in Australia. Uh, I mean, I was doing so well on the charts that I was getting offers to tour Australia and Canada. Because I think I was like number five in uh, Canadian comedy. Uh, you know, I was on the charts with like Burr and Marin and Rogan and, and Tom and Bert and uh, other people, uh, Theo. Uh, and then uh, I got an email from them saying I was uh, flagged for a music violation. And I was like, well, you know, I, I have the rights to, to the one song. I The only song I've ever played on the podcast, uh, Stevie Rochelle's band Tough, the song Forever Yours. He wrote it. He has the rights to it. He gave me permission. I provided proof to Apple twice. And the weird thing is they were like, hey, we did two investigations. We found you did nothing wrong. 
And uh, I was like, well, uh, then can I just be put back at number eight? Because on a Monday, the last time I was on the comedy charts, I was number eight. So I went on Tuesday to check, and I was not in the top 20, not in the top 30. I'm like, surely I'm in the top 50. Not in the top 50, top 75, top 100, 150, 175. I wasn't in the top 200. And uh, they were like, well, we don't manipulate the charts. But I'm like, and I didn't get into this argument with them because I just knew it would go nowhere. But I'm like, well, you kind of do manipulate the charts. You took me off the, you took me, you took away my charting position. So you do. So whoever was number nine was now number eight. So you, you do kind of manipulate the charts. I mean, like when Roast Battles uh, podcast uh, was taken over by Comedy Central, uh, they were in the new and noteworthy section the first day. You know, and that's unheard of for a podcast to be on the that segment, which is huge for your numbers because people go there and see what's happening. Uh, and I'm happy for them because, you know, Brian and Coach T are awesome and Pat Barker was, the, like, I think, like the co-host. Uh, but it was like, well, you know, I'm sure that was someone from Comedy Central or Viacom going, hey, can you help us out? So uh, they do manipulate the charts. But, you know, I did nothing wrong. So it's just... You know, that's why, you know, to be honest with you, the last year I've, I've kind of had a downturn in episodes just because it's like the numbers have been affected a lot. Uh, you know, I would say on SoundCloud when I was in the top 20 for a year and a half, you know, on average I would have like 15,000 listens on SoundCloud. And I've been told that you um, can like, if you want to know what your Apple uh, podcast listens are, you you time your SoundCloud listens by like five or six. So, you know, that's a significant amount of listens. But now I'm probably averaging between two and 3,000, which is still a lot. Uh, I mean, most of my friends' podcasts average anywhere from, you know, 300 listens to 900. So I'm still doing better than most comics, but it's, it's still uh, discouraging, to you know, to go from you know, 14, 15,000 listens to, you know, barely getting 2,500 or whatever. And I've had some really good podcasts, you know, the last probably five or six. I had uh, Kelly Kirsten on, who's a great writer. I, I've introduced the world to Chandler, and she's a fantastic writer and producer. And her new, her new show, Holy Moly, with Rob Riggle comes out next week. Kind of cool to see billboards all over the city for it. Uh, and, you know, Kate Kennedy was a... Uh, a fascinating uh, interview about the you know the two worlds colliding of porn and comedy, and you know I just, so I just want you know more people to hear it. You know, it's a very crowded field podcasting, so uh, you know I've often said this. It, it's it's a simple uh, thing to do, which is great. You know, it, you don't have to be that technologically savvy to have a podcast. And that's also the, the, the bad thing about it is, you know, you don't have to be that technologically savvy to do it. So anyone can do it pretty much. So uh, hopefully we'll figure that out, you know, by the summer. And, you know, because, you know, the bigger the podcast is, the you know, the better guest I can get. And, uh, you know, it just that helps the numbers, you know. Like I hit one when I was really in the top 10 in iTunes comedy. You know, I had like five, six guests on in a row who all had like two, three hundred thousand followers or beyond. 
you know, I had like Brody Stevens on, rest in peace. Uh, I had uh, Chris Franjo on. I had Guy Branham on. Uh, I had Jeff Ross on. Uh, back to back to back to back. So it built up some nice numbers. And then I think Tyler, the creator, sent out a tweet saying something to the effect of listen to my dad's podcast. Now, he didn't even, he didn't, I'm not complaining, but he didn't mention the name of the podcast or my name. So, like, you had to do a little bit of homework to go, okay, who's the dad on the jellies? Earl Skakel. Does he have a podcast? Uh, and then you put the Earl Skakel podcast and Inappropriate Earl pops up and then, you you know, people would find it via that way but that helped because that was right around the same time and you know tyler has like four million followers on every platform uh of social media so that really uh helped me out um but uh you know and then the uh the music violation uh you know kind of got me which kind of sucks because i think it was another comic who reported me you, you know because i had done it I think for four years, you know, so if Apple was investigating anything, they would have found it within the first three months of the podcast. But, uh, you know, I'm not complaining to you guys. I'm just, you know, a lot of people, you know, I get asked a lot of questions, uh, you know, via DM or Facebook and, and Messenger, like, hey, why aren't you on the charts anymore? <laughs> you know, like, I'm trying, bro. I'm trying. And really getting shadow banned is the biggest pain in the ass. And what shadow banned means is like, you know, before like, you know, when I would check out my uh, chart position, I would put, you know, I would start spelling inappropriate Earl. So I'd put I-N-N. And as soon as I hit the second N, inappropriate Earl would, would pop up, which really helps because anyone who's looking for my podcast just has to type in those three letters and bam. But now... Uh, you have to type out the whole word, inappropriate or, or two words, inappropriate or all, before it pops up. Uh, and, you know, people are fucking lazy. Like, you know, you can type three letters and, you know, that's uh, a tolerable amount of work. But, uh, you know, to, you know, that's how lazy people are. And I'm just as lazy. Like, you know, if you put, if you start typing Joe Rogan experience on, by the time you hit J-O, Joe Rogan experience pops up. But if you had to type out Joe the Joe Rogan experience, people would not he wouldn't get as many lessons. He'd only get three million lessons instead of four. So uh and has you know, I will pander a little bit to you guys forty eight minutes into this, you know, gab fest. Uh, you know, if you haven't left a review, uh please do. Because I think, you know, Apple is very secretive about their uh, algorithms and and how you get on the charts and stay there. And, and I've been told by my moles at Apple that uh, it's podcast cover art, which I'm uh, very lucky to have the amazing Andrew Stovkin from day one do all the podcast cover art. So like the one you're looking at now, Andrew did. Uh, you know, And when I say looking at, uh, for those of you who just listen to this on Apple Podcasts, I'm uh, doing like a Facebook Live right now. Uh, but Andrew comes up with these amazingly, uh, creative, uh, you know, mostly a topical, uh, cover art for each episode. And he also designed the main cover art. So when you go to Apple podcasts, you see that kind of caricature of me. Um, I've been told cover art is a big thing, which kind of makes sense. When I initially heard that, I didn't think it like, why would that? 
be a big deal. But if you go on the top 20 of uh, Apple Podcasts, you'll see most of the top podcasts in comedy. And I, I don't really look at other uh, like music you know, uh, podcast or whatever. I'm concentrating mainly on the comedy. Like Joe Rogan has a caricature of himself. Joey Diaz does. Uh, I think Theo Vons does. I think Bert has. Uh, it's a really cool picture of him. Uh, you know, the My Favorite Murder has some interesting cover art. And so it, it's, uh, I guess it's true. And then, you know, obviously the reviews, uh, the ratings, the five-star ratings, and, and the subscriptions. So, uh, you know, every little bit helps. And, you know, for a podcast that has a, a strange amount of uh, fame level, like Inappropriate Earl, I, I do have more reviews and ratings than most. But every little review helps. Every five-star helps. Every subscription, which I think is the big one. It, it's very much like that on YouTube, where subscriptions drive the, the algorithms. Um, which is also one of the things I like about TikTok, even though I, I'm, I'm not very good on TikTok. Chandler's killing it. She has like over a million likes. I have like 2,200, uh, but TikTok is more the quality of your content. Like if you put out a funny or an interesting video, it gets thrown onto the main page. Whereas like Apple and you know, like my podcast is the perfect example of, I have some really good interviews like that. The Tommy Morris interview, uh, the first interview, uh, that should have kept me in the top 10 of, uh, Apple comedy or iTunes comedy forever. It was so good. And it wasn't good because of me. It was good because of Tommy. He, I just let him talk. And, uh, you know, the the wrestling episodes I've had, you know, with Roddy Piper and Eric Bischoff and Chavo Guerrero Jr. Uh, were really amazing. Uh, but, uh, you know, so algorithms are, you know, especially with Apple, they're in, you know, Steve Jobs was a very secretive dude. Uh, and uh, I think they've continued on his secretiveness. It's almost like a skull and bones type, uh, you know, operation there. So. You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, there's only so many things that the algorithm can be based on. So, you know, I think we're all just guessing in terms of podcasters, how to, you know, crack the top, uh, you know, charts. I mean, I know there's ways to hack into it. There's that, uh, someone turned me on another comic. I won't mention who they are. Turned me on to that website Fiverr. I think it's five with two R's where you can pay some guy or girl, I guess, in Bangladesh, uh, you know, uh, varying amounts of money to ha essentially hack iTunes. And uh, I'm like, no way does this work. And he did it. He said, I'm going to show you. I'm going to buy a three-day package, and my podcast will be on the top 20. And sure enough, the next day, his podcast was in the top 20. And it only had like three episodes and, and very few lessons and uh, I'm not going to lie and say I wasn't tempted, but for me, like, I don't want fake fans. Uh, you know, I bought, in full disclosure, thousands of fake followers on MySpace. Uh, and I think, it, I think I had like 50,000 followers at one point, and, and probably I would guess 30,000 fake, maybe more. But it did look good. 
uh, but no one was coming to my comedy shows. So, like, I don't want fake uh, podcast numbers just because it, it, it it's completely useless. Uh, you know, I want actual fans to listen to this podcast. So, like, when I go to Edmonton, July 16th through the 19th, if you're in that area, you want to go to the show. Like, if I have, like, 500 phony fans that, you know, obviously they're bots or whatever, like, they're not going to come to shows, you know. Like, I started to realize buying followers on MySpace was completely crazy when I think, if you remember MySpace, you had your top eight friends. Seven of the eight were Chewbacca. And then I started to wonder, oh, now I know why people uh, don't come to my shows because they're fictional characters from Star Wars. So, uh, you know, I'm still trying 20 years into comedy to figure out the algorithm of stand-up. And, uh, you know, people keep asking me about the jellies. You know, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I'm kept out of the loop there. But, uh, you know, Tyler just won a, a Grammy. So, like, I don't know what his desire is to do a cartoon. But I, I know his fans would like it. And certainly I know I would like it. Because uh, it helps me out in many ways. You know, I, I'm with the number one voice over agency in the world. And, uh, you know, to be the lead or co lead with Phil Lamar and AJ Johnson on uh, a cartoon on Adult Swim is, I don't, I never really realized how hard it is in the voiceover field. I, I never thought I would say this, but it, the voiceover field is actually harder than stand-up comedy because there's so few people who are successful at it. Like stand-up, you know, there's hundreds of people who are successful in varying degrees. You, you know, you have people who are road comics who are successful. You have basically TV comics who, you know, stay in their city like New York or L.A. and they do commercials or they just kind of tour locally and make money like in new york you could do five six spots a night and get paid for all of them uh, i'm not saying you're going to live in a mansion but you know you'll you'll eke out a living and, and and certainly now with the advent of podcasting and advertising and instagram if you're an influencer or tiktok if you're an influencer i mean chandler gets offers daily now because she has like twenty five thousand followers she has literally over a million likes and she gets companies all the time saying hey will you do a sponsored post and we'll give you this or we'll pay you that. Um, so there, there's all kinds of ways to make money in this business. But, you know, if you're on a, a top cartoon, the potential to make money is very good because you can go to like Comic Con and like the people who are at Comic Con are my ideal fan base, you know, Gen Z and millennials. Uh, and, you know, the Jellies is such a wacky show that, you know, it's kind of neat to be on a show that's geared toward Tyler, the creator's fan base. Like when I do a TikTok video and I think I only have like 230 followers. Uh, and when people recognize me as Barry jelly, they, they like freak out. They're like, Oh my God, when are you doing stand up? And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> no time soon. But, and they're like, can we come see you? And it's like, if I could get like hundreds of those people, which you could at comic con. And like, if the jellies ever did like a panel at comic con, like that could be, you know, what could help me. So, uh, you know, you can still stream the jellies on adult swim. Uh, you can, uh, I think watch I'm dying up here still, if I'm not mistaken on showtimes, uh, online stream it. 
um, you know, Roast Battle, uh, which is the show I'm known for the most, uh, for better or worse. Like, you know, that show for me was like four years ago was season one. And uh, the other night I'm at the gas station, to be honest with you, buying lottery tickets. I figured, let's take a shortcut and win the Powerball. And uh, this guy in his mask is just staring at me. And, you know, I, I thought he was casing to rob the place. But now everyone looks like they're about to rob the gas station because everyone's in a mask. And he just looks at me and goes, Earl? And I kind of looked at him like, uh, I don't know if I should say yeah. And he's like, Earl Skakel? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, is there a problem? He's like, no, no, I'm a big fan of yours from Roast Battle season one. And uh, I was like, oh, thanks, man. You know, I wish I had seasons two and three, but that's another podcast. We won't get into that now. But, uh, you know, it's just so funny to me that that's the show I'm known for the most. But, you know, I get it because, you know, it's a visual show. It's a live show. Uh, you know, the jellies, uh, you know, it, it's not me on the screen. It's just my voice. But I have been in stores. Like, I went to this boxing store to buy new gloves for Rumble because uh, their gloves they sell at Rumble are kind of lighter. And I said, well, I want heavier gloves. So it's almost like you're lifting weights while you're hitting the bag. And this guy comes out from the back and... He's like, I know your voice. Are you in a cartoon? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, which one? I'm like, Tyler, the creator. He's like, you're the dad. So uh, it's kind of funny to have your voice be recognized. Of course, I don't get recognized that much from I'm dying up here because I was like 87th in the credits. But hey, it's better than not being in the credits at all. But I think uh, I've accomplished what I've wanted to. I just wanted to talk for a little bit. You know, let you guys know what I'm up to in the quarantine. I'm healthy. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's all I can ask for. I'm happy. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of fear and anxiety going around right now. And, uh, you know, I think if you wash your hands and, you know, you don't French kiss a homeless person who just sneezed after picking their toes, uh, you know, it, it's pretty hard to catch corona and even if you do get it if, if your immune system's not compromised you, you stand a pretty good chance of beating it but you still should take it seriously and just you know social distancing and all that good stuff of course that's ruined my summer concert plans you know which actually is going to save me a lot of money because i was planning on in a month and a half going to four shows uh the killers at the new football stadium but i don't think that's happening uh Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and uh, Joan Jett at the new football stadium, SoCal, I think it's so SoFi Stadium, uh, Guns N' Roses uh, at the new football stadium. So three concerts in a, you know, probably 70, 80,000 seat capacity uh, stadium. And then I was going to go see, which this show might still be on. It's a September 19th at the Hollywood Palladium. It's rat with Slaughter, my buddy Mark Slaughter on vocals, of course. Uh, Skid Row, I I don't know who's on vocals for them anymore. Um, and Tom Kiefer of Cinderella. So you basically get Cinderella songs and maybe a, a Tom Kiefer solo song here and there. I think he has his wife come out and sing a song or something. The reviews are mixed on that, you know. I get it. You know, he wants to be with his wife on stage. I, you know, who am I to sit there and say, don't do that? But, you know, Cinderella fans just want to hear Cinderella songs. 
And Tom Kiefer's solo stuff is actually pretty good. But, uh, you know, people just want to hear Cinderella, man. And uh, shout out to my friend Stephen Piercy and his better half for getting the new Geico commercial with Rat. It's pretty funny. I wish I would have been the uh, husband in that video. Uh, but uh, I was not. I'm a voiceover actor now uh, and stand-up comedian. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, hope it wasn't too boring listening to my monotone drawl. Uh, and I rarely read reviews on me, on my comedy, on my roast battles, on the jellies, on anything. But for some reason, I went on Joey Diaz's uh, podcast page. Joey was nice enough to have me. I think I was episode 666. Or somewhere around there. And uh, the first comment was on my voice saying, This guy is the voice. They should play uh, mental patients in the hospital right before they take their medicine. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. But, uh, you know, thank you, Uncle Joey, one of the true good people in the business. I think he got banned from a YouTube or something for uh, showing his balls on the comedy store uh, charity <laughs> event. So, but only Uncle Joey. And uh, everyone stay safe, be cool, and, uh, you know, just be hygienic. And we'll get through this thing. And, uh, you know, Inappropriate Earl is uh, obviously on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And you can stream all the TV shows I've been on on the Varian Networks. I think on Comedy Central, if you just put my name in, all my roast battles pop up. And, uh, you know, any tweets you can uh, compose uh, asking to see the daddy man uh, on the jellies or plugging the podcast are appreciated. I mean, this I don't do this podcast for money. I literally have never made a dollar on this podcast ever. And I'm not complaining. I'm just saying I do this to expose my friends to my fans and... Uh, you know, obviously try and talk you guys into seeing my stand-up shows when we're in the same city. So uh, I do appreciate the love and support. And I don't ask for much. Just a little tweet here and there about the podcast or the jellies or literally a, you know, a review rating and subscription on uh, Apple Podcasts. It, it takes under 30 seconds. You know, if it took like five minutes, I would understand. Like, I was asked to do someone's podcast recently, and they're like, you have to sign on for this new uh, thing because, you know, I'm a Safari browser guy, and it doesn't support Safari, so you have to, you know, basically install Google Chrome, and, and you know, it, it took like 20 minutes for me to download Google Chrome because my Wi-Fi is so bad, and then you had to sign up and all of it. I get if I was asking you guys to do that. So uh, thank you guys all. Uh, we'll probably do another one of these next week. I, I did some Zoom comedy shows by myself, and the first one was great, and then the, the last two were awful. And these were my shows, and I'm saying they're awful. So, uh, you know, we'll get live comedy uh, up and running again. And uh, I love you all. I really do mean that. I re you know, Kiss says they're in it for the fans and all that bullshit. They're in it for the money. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, certainly I want to make money at some point in this business. But, uh, I really do, at this point, uh, do it for the fans. So uh, everyone stay safe, and we'll get through this on the other side. Bring it.